are live on a Friday night. It's half past seven. As per usual, we're doing the live stream here on A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. It's episode 221. Now, uh, if you're new to the podcast, welcome, welcome. Pull up a pew, grab yourself a beer, roll yourself a bifter, whatever it is that you need to help the medicine go down and join me as we gallivant through this uh, gallows humour, as we try to make sense of the senseless and indeed light of the darkness. God, I'm on fire tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, what have we, uh, See, now I've jinxed myself. Now I'm forgetting where I am. Um, so yes, episode 221. Guys, you will be aware that last week I was supposed to have a young lady called Star B uh, on the podcast. Unfortunately, then I got quite uh, unwell towards the end of last week. I'm better now. Thank you for asking. My throat has never been better after two weeks off alcohol. And this is raising all sorts of questions in terms of what, like, who even am I? Like, what am I going to be if I don't drink alcohol? What is this? Is this a net positive for the podcast? Because I'll see I'll seem so much stronger and more vocal and richer in tone. Or is it a net negative? Because I won't have the alcohol flowing through my veins with which to, I don't know, muster my funny. I've still not yet worked out the answer uh to this question anyway star b was unable to join us last week i hope to get it back on sometime soon however tonight i'm very very excited to be joined uh, by my guest this week it's his first time on the podcast um i first sort of happened across him i think it was about two or three years ago um for those who are newer to the podcast or you've just found me on tiktok or twitter or whatever um i used to do a lot of stand-up way way back in the day and uh, about two or three years ago, I, I first started dipping my toe back into the arena. And I would always go down to this place called We Are Funny Project in Dalston, uh, which is where I would test out my new ideas and see some old familiar faces. Um, and occasionally I would see acts where I'd be like, oh, I like I like that guy or I like her. Like they've got there's something about them. There's some something about the tone or the joke was hilarious or I don't know, it's something sort of draws me into the odd comedian. It doesn't happen often, I will say that, because 99% of open mic comedians are absolutely fucking awful. Uh, <laughs> I am throwing shade. I'm throwing shade across the entire open mic arena. Um, and also in Britain, our comedy, it's my personal opinion. And look, you know, highly subjective. It's my personal opinion that... British comedy is a little bit too jolly. It's a bit too vaudeville. And so I'm drawn to stand-ups who are a bit more measured, perhaps a bit more morose or depressive. Um, and anyway, I saw this gentleman uh, performing at We Are Funny Project, and I was like, I, I like that guy. So I had a chat with the promoter, a guy called Alfie. Um, we made contact, and I'm super, super psyched to invite him on tonight. Please welcome to the show, Sam Adamson. Woo! Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Thanks for the invites. Brilliant. You're very welcome. How's it Thank going? You. How's your week been? How's my week been? Um, what day is it? Friday. Uh, it's been busy. I've been working, gigging. Today was one of those um, lovely, uh, lovely times where I did manage to get three gigs in a week in. Oh, no, um, I thought you were going to say three gigs in like today. Today was one no, of those. Like, I wish. No, yeah. uh, but no, three gigs this week. And um and just working around that, which is exhausting. Much rather not have a job and just do this all the time. But it's been a good week so far. Um, yeah. Nice. Where have you been gigging? So uh, funnily enough, we are Funny Project. Two gigs then. And I think I had a gig earlier on in Brixton, near where I am, where I am actually. So it's at the Prince of Wales. It was called Cracked okay. Comedy. I know Cracked Comedy, I think. Yeah way back in the day or maybe i'm thinking no crack crack comedy is different to cracked comedy right like crack comedies in kingston i think but oh it, they have various venues so they've got a kingston one and a brixton one and i think i've got they've got another one somewhere in wimbledon but that's probably wrong so don't oh really but um yeah it's probably the same place yeah i really really like the um crack comedy in kingston it's like such a night like it was slightly off the, the beaten path Right. And the stage was like a like just up from the audience, which is fine. You know, it's quite professional, I guess. But I was so used to like all like all on one floor because right. so much of open mic is like just in a pub basement or in a loft room. I wasn't exactly. used to being like, you know, <laughs> looking down on the audience kind of thing. So it kind of. Oh, my me. God. What are you doing down there? Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but it was a sick night. I'll tell you a funny story, actually. So I did a, I did a gig there. It went really well. And I was so full of myself afterwards. I 
came down off the stage. I went up to the bar and this really pretty girl came up to me and told me that she loved my set, right? Which is every comedian's dream. They're just like, oh, yeah. I made the pretty girl laugh. Yeah, go me. <laughs> so then she says she's an actress. Right. And um, I do I ever do like comedy, like shorts or like, am I involved in acting at all? Or like, we should pair up, we should meet. And she's like, look here, take my number. And I'm like, all right. So okay. we exchange numbers. And obviously I'm, you know, my mind, my fantasy life is galloping ahead at this point you've got, you've got kids you, you've got you've been married for a couple of years by this point uh yeah basically. i mean like the fantasy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no i wasn't married or even with like yeah completely different period but yes in my mind i'm thinking this she's the one obviously <laughs> yeah. uh she gets me um i mean all, like she finds me funny that's literally all it takes it's like oh what you, you laughed at my jokes cool yeah obviously we're meant to be together that's yeah it, yeah <laughs> um so so we exchanged numbers and then I did the obligatory, like, you know, you wait two or three days. And I texted and I said, oh, I've got this other gig on like next week. And it was in Camden. And she was like, yeah, OK, cool. I'll, I'll definitely come down. I'm like, OK, great. And then I go to Camden and I'm like, text. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be on at about X time or whatever. And, and right. she's like, OK, yeah, I'm just on my way there. There's no sign of her. I'm like, OK. Then I'm like, I'm going to be on in like five minutes. Still no sign of her. Right. Um. Then I'm just about to go on and she comes down from the stairs, down into this little basement. Um, but the, like, the lights are still like bright light on. And she comes yeah. down and then sits, sits down next to me and says hello. And, so, and I'm like, I'm literally going to be on in like any second. And it was so like, it's like she saw me in the bright, like in Kingston, it was like a darkly lit venue. Oh, oh, and then <laughs> in this place in Canada, it was like well lit. And I really feel like she saw what I actually looked like. And then she looked oh. like she went upstairs. I never fucking saw her again, Sam. Oh my God. She literally, like, I was like, whoa, this is really cutting. <laughs> Jesus, you always wanted, you always wanted it that she arrived with a boyfriend so that it would kind of lessen the blow a bit. Yeah. I would have preferred that she didn't found me funny, like to begin with. <laughs> I you know? even prefer yeah. she wouldn't have found me funny in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was hard. That was and that made me like. Do you know what it made me feel? It made me feel exactly like you know when you're at school, yeah, or like college or whatever, and you're not one of like the popular kids. Oh yeah. And there's like all the like the good looking lads and the good looking yeah. girls, and they're all and you just feel a bit sort of ostrich. It really sort of harks back to that. You'd think I would have emotionally developed away from all of that insecurity by what age but you wouldn't I? be funny then if you had well that's see this is why i feel so comfortable sharing this with another comedian because <laughs> yeah. nine times out of ten comedians have all come from a very similar sort of oh life yeah experience. we're always outsiders i was never in a french oh i was uh, towards the end of school i was in a group but like for the first i don't know 16 years of my life it was hell mm. i was orbiting constantly never inside Never inside the group. No. But yeah, always always witnessing, making notes. <laughs> <laughs> Just preparing for were yeah. you were you consciously thinking, when I'm when I'm a comedian, this'll be funny and they'll be sorry. Well they're, they're, they I had that gene, if you know what I mean. I kinda had that um uh, idea of there's needs to be an outlet for this, whether it's comedy or acting or whatever it is. I'm yeah. going to, at some point I'm going to tell people what I think because I just never had the opportunity to at school, especially right. with people like my own age. Cause no one wanted to know, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's, you know, that's just school in Britain, I suppose a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah. Not too far from the truth there. I don't think um, let's, let's talk about your, your background and like how you got into comedy then. Cause it's different for okay. everyone. Right. So oh, wait, when did you start? So like, so there's kind of like, um, there's two answers to this, but, um, and funnily enough, Alfie was the one that told me there should be two answers to this. Um, I first did my ever stand up ever first ever stand up gig. I was 21. Um, which was actually, uh, <laughs> 11 years ago, believe it or not. Okay. Um, so I was 21 and uh, I knew you had to do five minutes and it was at this, I was, I was a part of a theater company um, and they had a talent show and it was at the Leicester square theater basement, which I already knew is a kind of cool stand up. Yeah. Venue. I don't yeah. know how they managed to wang Great that. little venue. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember that we had a warm up act who was a professional comedian, Ellie Taylor, <laughs> who is now Ted yeah, Lasso yeah, yeah. all over the shop. 
but she was um she opened the show she did about five minutes of new material and then it was just a bunch of people sometimes i was the only one doing stand-up i think but there were loads of people with guitars and some musical theater singers and some uh, other bits and pieces like that some spoken word poetry all very um la-di-da and but that was my first ever gig i loved it and i thought wow this is it and then i thought and then i started booking actual open mic nights and i realized oh i thought well i didn't realize i thought you had to come up with a new five minutes every single time you performed yeah so i performed like once a month <laughs> after having written like five i mean if anything it taught me how to write quick but well once a month not that quick but um but yeah, and then I, I and then I got kind of just petered out. I was still doing the theatre company course, so I still had some years left. And I thought oh, I'll come back to it another time. Then when I was twenty five, I started doing it again, and I got more into the community. Yeah. And I realised you didn't have to write a new five minutes, which was a load off. Uh, the thing is, I was doing bringer nights all the time, and the only person that would come was my girlfriend. And she, there was one point where she'd seen a bunch of my shows and this was one of those ones where it's in the summer and it's above a pub so the sun's still coming in and you're talking about debauched stuff while people are, there were genuinely there was a man in there an older gentleman who was sitting at the back of the room because he turned up an hour a couple of hours early to his book meeting right so he was just sitting there watching like open mic comedy essentially waiting for his book meeting to start i was telling jokes on stage I told a joke that didn't land. My girlfriend looked at me, genuinely gave me this look of like, <laughs> and I thought, I can't do this to her anymore. And as we were leaving, one of the older women from the book group joined, walked <laughs> up the pub, and the old man said quite loudly, I just sat through the worst comedy show in my life. <laughs> like, I'm done, man, this sucks. <laughs> and, and then um, and then like lockdown happens and, um, I was still, the thing is, is like all I ever watch really has was was comedy. I was brought up on it. I was quite blessed in a way as well because my dad uh, is a bit older than dads of my friendship group's age. So I was watching stuff like Monty Python, right? And old Billy Connolly two night stand shows, and um, so that was very much that was always my all swearing's funny. So is being silly. I was never really into the. Um, I wouldn't say clean. I mean, there's clean comics that are amazing, but I, I came, for example, I came to Peter K very late, you right. know, because I just thought, well, he's not as funny as these guys. And then it turns out I was wrong. He's an incredibly funny man. Um, and, and so like some of the, the nineties kind of alt scene. Yeah. I was a bit slow to like the Dylan Moran's and the Bill Bailey's and the rich halls, uh, the Phil Jupiter's and Mark Lamar's and people. And Lee, Lee, apart from Lee Evans, for some reason, Lee Evans just punctured through all of that because I think ultimately he's very physical and a person falling over in any country is hilarious. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's like a real shorthand for comedy, but I loved the storytelling of Billy Connolly and the silliness of Monty Python. So that was kind of my bread and butter really. And then during lockdown, I was, I was just, I kind of went a bit insane. I thought I'd be a poet. And then I thought I'd be a, an, an artist. So I started drawing lots of portraits. Okay. And then I thought, you know what, Sam, why don't you just, write some jokes and so i did and i actually recorded a lot of it as like a, a, a like an audio sketch kind of thing yeah and i thought this isn't uh satisfying i want to be in front of people and so i actually did the we are funny project online course during yeah. lockdown and i thought fuck it i mean if i'm i'm not i would never forgive myself if i never actually gave this some proper welly yeah and i've been doing it consistently since then and i'm loving it and i'm making friends there's nothing and, like uh, i mean <clears throat> like i i like doing online content <clears throat> and it's it's but it's like it's the nearest thing that i can get to doing actual stand-up like regularly like right. i can film myself in here sort of performing to a camera with like yeah. written scripts with a few little like nice what i think are you know decent jokes in there mm -hmm. um but if i have my way sam like there's nothing like getting on a stage and cracking a new joke that you just thought of that afternoon like three yeah. o'clock and you're like I'm going to fucking try this tonight. Like, and then you try it and it's like just electric, like just laughter, positivity back in your face. You feel validated. It's like, yeah, oh, I fucking love it. 
it's insane. It's, if you could bottle that feeling, you'd be a billionaire. It's yeah. insane. And it's also like the weirdest thing is, is like coming off what you said. Yeah. You think of something on the, you could spend hours agonizing over a, over, a, over a joke and then it never works. And then you'll think of something two seconds before you go on stage and it's the funniest thing you've ever said. And yeah. it's so frustrating because you can't figure out what it is. And sometimes you'll do that thing. This has happened to me personally, where I told a joke on stage and it killed. And I, it was the first time I said it. I was like, well, that's in the bag. I'll say that. And every time I've said it after that time, it's not been funny. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't know what it was. And I because think it might that... have had something to do with the fact that there were only comedians in the audience <laughs> that yeah. found it very funny. And the average uh, gen pop people were like, that's disgusting. You shouldn't be outside. But there's, <laughs> but it's like, there's so many variables to it that it becomes this sort of... Um, uh, this obsession this thing like where you're like if i could just figure it out if there's if i could if i spent enough time in the basement doing equations i could work out the science of comedy exactly yeah but, like nobody's ever going to figure it out there's mm -hmm. too many like i've had that exact same situation as as you're talking about where i've done a joke on a tuesday that was a brand new joke in a basement with no lighting coming in it's like a perfect setting for comedy and it's exploded and, and i've been like oh amazing right that's in the bag then yeah. i do it on a wednesday and it's the same environment but just a different crowd maybe mm -hmm. some a couple of them are a bit hungover or maybe there's some noise bleeding through from upstairs or oh yeah or it's just a different night of the week and people on a wednesday are just different to people on a tuesday you know, like i've it's... got a theory i've got a theory about that but it's it's insanity because it is like genuinely i think tuesday crowds because that's the thing because people come and go oh, i'm gonna come see you do comedy yeah it's never on fridays it's never on saturdays it's no. always monday tuesday wednesday thursday sunday it's like yeah for some reason and then wednesday crowds they just they've got the weekend in sight tuesday crowds remember the horribleness of monday and so they kind of are looking for a bit of a laugh and it's even cheekier to go out for a drink on a tuesday you know yeah yeah but monday crowds are bizarre you know and it's just it's weird it's fridays and saturdays for dancing and clubbing you know it's not no one wants to go and see comedy on those days which is a shame well they do like i've done gigs on i used to host my night on the friday last friday of the month so that everyone would have just got paid it would be oh, friday good. night and then, yeah like they'd be bang up for it um but the problem is it, it tips over the bell curve and people are a little bit too up for it and what oh, they yeah. actually want is a night in jonglers with like mm. a michael mcintyre or a jimmy carr doing a yeah. bit of heckling and a bit of clapback they yeah. don't want to listen to my heady introspective like seven minute <laughs> fucking monologue about how yeah. unhappy my childhood was or like you know what i mean <laughs> But it's true because you do work hard trying to come up with these ideas, you know, and you and, and if you haven't said them before and you want to get it out there just so you know what it feels like to say it out loud in front of people for the first time. The last thing you want is someone being like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah. it's like it's a bit of a it's a poison chalice in a way. <laughs> it's an addiction, I always think, of like oh, yeah. just going again and again and again back to this same thing. Except, like what the definition of insanity right is like trying the same thing and expecting a different result but that is okay. literally what open mic comedians do day in day out it's like yeah, it's gonna work this time yeah but it's like there was a comic on the oh, i'm gonna he's very very funny and i'm gonna say his name wrong i think his name is finn he's very very tall finn taylor this, it's not finn taylor no. um is it finn taylor i don't know but he's very tall, very funny. And he was talking about hobbies. And I don't consider stand-up as a hobby, really. It's like, a, it's a, it feels more than a hobby, less than a job. But I want it to be a job, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I've spent too much money for it just to be a hobby. But it's, um, uh, but I've, he said to this, that he said this, his setup was, uh, he said to someone in the audience, do you have any hobbies? And he was like, yeah. He's like, what's your hobby? He's like, I like fishing. He's like, oh, does your hobby if uh, sometimes make you want to kill yourself? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> he's right. He's yeah. right. It's bizarre. Yeah. You keep coming back to it. But it's because of the feeling, right? It's like the, it, it's just like an addiction in the sense that when you get the hit, I don't know why I'm doing a heroin. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's, that's a uh, hit. When, when you get the high, when you get the uptick or the endorphin rush, whatever, uh, 
it all becomes worth it, even though you spent the rest of the day burgling people to get the money, to get the hit. Like, that's mm-hmm. the struggle. That's the sort of turning up for the gig and the signing in and the having to hang around, like walk around the neighbourhood for an hour, getting your head together, going over your set yeah. and again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, I almost yeah. got fucking mugged the last time I went to Dalston. Really? Um, yeah, it was like, it's bizarre. like, I signed in, I went upstairs, I walked through a couple of the estates around the back, right. which is... Like, I always think it's quite funny when people talk about, you know, East London being gentrified, like it's, you know, cake shops over here and little mi- microbreweries <laughs> over there. Yeah, I'm always like, you don't have to scratch too far beneath the surface to, <laughs> to get into some trouble. But yeah, so I, I went for a walk around a couple of the estates and I was just, I probably looked a bit shady. I had my hood up and I was just like walking along, going over my set again and again and again. And this guy had obviously clocked that I was just like circling the area with right. my hood up and he walked up to me and like tapped me on the shoulder and he was like who you with man and i was like uh <laughs> and he goes who you with and i went uh no what and the only thing i could think to say was like i'm a comedian i'm like i'm performing over there i'm just like saying my set to myself he was like you're set like 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 he didn't get the lingo or something like right okay. and um I said, I'm a comedian. I'm going over the things that I have to say, like on stage in a minute. And then he looks at me like dead in the eye and he's like, all right. And then just like w- walked off. And I was like, fucking hell. That was like, <laughs> what if I'd answered wrong? Or what if I'd taken too long? Like if I'd frozen and he thought I'd frozen because I was guilty yeah. or like. Sorry, A can't come onto the stage right now. He's currently in hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yet, like, here's how deep the addiction runs and the love of stand up is like already. I'm thinking, like, even if I got stabbed, I, I would be thinking, out of this. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. what an amazing story to go back on stage with next time. Well, that's the thing, it just never dies. Like, you, every, every time, like, I don't know, I've like, you, you sometimes think rarely nowadays, but I sometimes, like, on the odd occasion when it's just a series of bombs after bomb after bomb after bomb, and you're like, you know, what's the point then? And then you sit down for a couple of minutes and you think of something funny. And imagine not having, I can't imagine being someone who thinks of something funny and just doesn't tell anyone. You know yeah. what I mean? Not even write it down, like not even text someone. Yeah. So it's bizarre. I just, for me though, it just has to be in front of lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Here's, here's a question for you. Like, so when I used to do a lot of stand up and when it was my only outlet for comedy, as opposed to like now doing, you know, YouTube podcasty stuff. Um, if I had that sort of lightning bolt where a new joke came to me out of nowhere, I would be excited and I would tell my girlfriend about it. I'd be like, oh, I've got a fucking wicked idea for a joke. Yeah. And then she'd go, oh, go on then, what is it? And I would tell her and she would never get it. She would yep. always be like, I don't know if people are really... Is that funny? That? Yeah, and I'm like, that, you you don't get it. That's, <laughs> it's not people, I, I fucking know this. <laughs> like, get all offended by it. <laughs> You don't get it. Does your is your girlfriend the same? Is she sort of similarly? Is she, is yes, one hundred percent. She's um she's very supportive and and stuff. But I she doesn't like coming to see shows because she just can't handle she just can't handle watching people on stage trying. Yeah, you know? yeah. But she's an actress. She's an actor, so she's used to she's used to all of that stuff being in that world. But the idea of because you go see a play, pretty sure you know no one's going to fail. Like they're going to know their lines at least. But imagine you, if you're not used to seeing open mic comedy and someone comes in with a bunch of energy and is just dead on stage. Yeah. She just dies inside for them. She just feels it too much. So she just can't handle it. But yes, but every time I, I, I've stopped telling her ideas now and it even got to the point now where if I if she didn't get it, I knew it would kill. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would kill because it's just like she's in a different headspace. She's in a dressing gown in the living room. Yeah, and I just ran into the living room, being like, "I just thought of a joke," and she's not ready for it. Yeah. So, but when you're sitting there with a pint in your hands and you, and you're you know what you're getting into, yeah, it makes a lot more sense to find something funny in that respect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd rather that way. I'd rather she be the way she is than make her going. Oh, you're always hilarious because that's yeah. not great either. You know. Yeah. I always used to joke with my missus that like, if, if I had become a fairly successful stand-up comedian people would go up to her and go like are you only with him because he's this funny comedian and she would turn around and be like i'm i don't even think he's that funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it's bizarre man but the people who are closest to you it's like 
like a lot of my closest friends are who I've been known for years and years and years. They um they're like, oh, I'm really glad you're doing that. Yeah, I knew you'd be good at that. Do you want to come and see me? Oh no, yeah. I don't want to see you. <laughs> I see you. I know I've I've got the version of you that I like already. I don't want to see this you blah, kind of on stage version. Yeah, kind of scary. Well, also there's a thing about I don't know if it's just a British thing, but I suspect that it is mm. a sort of like it's like the sort of cousin of banter in the sense uh-huh. that your mates are your mates and yeah. if you say to them oh i'm in a band now um yeah. do you want to do you want to buy our cd or well not cd anymore but like do you want to come and see us live or i'm a comedian now do you want to come to my gig the default there from you like your mates your old hometown mates would be like ah fuck off like i'm not yeah, gonna, exactly. yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, gonna yeah. go and see you tell tell jokes you think you're a comedian now do you fuck exactly. off i will say this because in case any of my friends do are watching or will listen to this uh some of them have come and they were very nice mm. <laughs> i just want to get out of the way but it is a thing where you just kind of you just kind of let people get on with it but it's as well it's weird because i there's certain noises that audiences make when you say a joke um that and obviously laughter's great don't get me wrong i'll take laughter over a lot of stuff but there is a certain noise that i've kind of fallen in love with and i've kind of only heard it when i tell jokes but it's this kind of thing where it's like a uh, oh <laughs> he's like why would you say that please it's like i love that noise i kind of I, for some reason i'll, I'll take it over a, a couple of titters you know a big belly laugh you can never get you can never get better yeah than that. but like but there's something in there's that in between noise where it's 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 not a gr- it's almost I tell you what do you know a comedian called Greg Houston? No, no, not familiar. So he's um he's a he's Canadian. He's doing very 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 well. He's been here for a couple of years, and uh, we've been each other's bringers, I think. But he's been at We Are Funny Projects a lot. There was one gig I was doing at BFF Comedy in um, Archway, and I was telling quite horrible jokes it was it was the it was it was just disgusting it was just wasn't very good it was it was not thought out very well but I was trying to gross them out and Greg came off I came off stage and I was like ugh. and Greg said to me you know what probably didn't work is because we like you you look like someone <laughs> who wouldn't say that you look like right. someone who would be like terribly sorry to bother you and so I have to work I think that extra bit harder to get them on side because I look like an angel you know, <laughs> so yeah, they're not yeah. they're not ready for oh oh come jokes about my dad. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's there's a thing about that, isn't it? It's like a joke that comes out of this guy's face wouldn't necessarily. It's another one of the variables I was talking about. It's like, does your mm. is the reason that this routine didn't work because it's not funny because of the night of the week because there's too much light in the room because there's excess noise from upstairs because 100%. someone was chattering or is it just this joke doesn't work coming out of this face yeah um but uh well, how do you find a way around that because i don't want to change my face <laughs> no you could sell the joke to somebody couldn't you i don't, could know. Do. I don't um, know let's talk for a minute about so we've been, we've been gassing away about comedy for, for for a while now let's let's drag the conversation kicking and screaming into the realms of uh, news and current affairs so a a story that bubbled up into my periphery uh, earlier on and i confess that until to d- uh, today i've not really been massively across it um but it's the sam bankman freed trial over in yes. the us so this is a story of uh the the head honcho of uh, ftx which is a crypto exchange uh, or rather was actually a sort of financial group by the end of it so they had a crypto exchange they had a venture capital arm they had a hedge fund and they had some other piece to it um and then it turned out that like literally billions, tens of billions of dollars That's were insane. being siphoned off to all different weird and wonderful parts of this business. People buy mansions with it, yachts. Uh, and anyway, he's just been found guilty um, this afternoon of this. And it's years in prison. Yeah. It? Like how fuck it. Like I, I'm not okay with people stealing other people's money, but doesn't like the American sentences. Do they strike you as a bit draconian? I mean, well, they never had a medieval time. So <laughs> they're, trying, <laughs> they're trying to, if they could hang people, they already did do that, didn't they? But it's like, they never, yeah. the idea of you're going to Britain. And I keep, whenever there's a sentence like that in any news story where it's like, oh, back to back life sentences, my head, I still go, 
oh, they're going to be well old when they come out. <laughs> I just yeah. never think, oh, because it's not, because they don't say you're sentenced to die in prison, which would make a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's insane. It's basically, though, this whole story is not new in a way. It's the old bank story all over again. He's just borrowing something to pay himself off. And it just fell out from underneath him. It's a copy and paste story, but it's because it was crypto. So it felt new. Yeah, it's it's but it's it's sort of murkier than that. In well, I say murkier. It's sort of more depressingly predictable than that, because the write up that I went into earlier said that actually this comes down to sort of Shakespearean themes where right. this guy builds up this multi-billion dollar company and he gives a job to this girl that he really likes and she's polyamorous and he she, doesn't want to be he can't, well <laughs> she actually by the sounds of it she wants to get more and more of his time and get more attention from him right. he wants space he doesn't want to be like smothered so okay. he then pushes her away and then she splits up with him but then the this split the fact that their exes creates this tension and he starts saying to her look you need to hedge our position against x y and z and she right. doesn't want to take advice or orders from him anymore because right. he's humiliated her in her mind. Um, and so she doesn't hedge. And this problem just snowballs and snowballs until finally they're, they're exposed to such a colossal debt. They've got no hope of paying this thing on. The auditors and regulators come in. They're like, where the fuck is all this money? Yeah. And then they both get taken down. And then oh, she becomes man. a star witness for the prosecution. <laughs> And now he's looking at like a hundred years in a supermax jail or Jesus. something. And nice. I'm like, like all of this, just like, this is the power of like just a penis and a vagina. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Isn't it? That is, that does sound quite Shakespearean actually. I'll give you that. I mean, why is supermax prison? I, God only knows. He doesn't look like he can harm anyone. No, it's like, and also, like, wasn't Enron was, like, a, a big scandal on these sort of proportions? And that yeah. guy, I can't remember his name. Was it Jeff Skilling, I want to say? Your guess is good as mine. I really hope it was Jeff Skilling and I'm not libeling, like, someone else called Jeff Skilling. But, like... <laughs> not that Jeff Skilling. Yeah, a different Jeff Skilling. Um, but he was out again, like... He was released about 10 years later, I think. Maybe 15 oh, wow. at the most. So. I reckon he's not going to spend... I reckon he's going to get out of prison before he dies. I reckon there's going to be some sort of thing where he's going to be so useful in some way that they'll be able to hoof him out for some reason to help the American government, you know, around yeah. it. I mean, it depends who he's humiliated, really. Like, if somebody's... Like, if Chelsea Clinton, for example, right, had four billion locked up in an FTX account... Yeah and she lost it and then hillary becomes president or something like if something like that happened yeah. he'd never get out no um jesus but yeah like how fucking wild is it like so they had a fight and now he's in prison for a hundred years yeah that <laughs> i mean is... that's i thought some of my breakups were bad sam but that's <laughs> um and it gets weirder still like so again like the write-up that i was reading earlier was like so there was him and her, they were sort of on on again, off again. But they were not committed and there was this... They were <laughs> like living in a sort of crypto-hippie commune in Barbados with like right. 10 other people all fucking each other. Right. And I'm like... What the fuck? Yeah, like, like whatever happened to just being normal? Like, whatever... <laughs> Like what? Money, man. Money, money, money. Makes people do weird. Well, it's like Is it's it like it could have been. It's like the whole Epstein Island thing. Like people earn a certain amount of money and they want to do debauch things in weird islands. You know, I think it's just natural. Do in a weird way. I think he's just kind. Of, well, then again, it's like this. It's weirdly not to not to go a bit too off piste, I suppose. But it's like um, maybe this has got nothing to do with it. But Jimmy Carr once said that oh, uh, being famous is technically what should be the norm because we're not supposed to live in groups bigger than a hundred with our brains. Right. So you're, you're, we're supposed to be used to people knowing a lot about us and knowing who we are and that we're a big deal. So when you finally get to the upper echelons in society where you only go to the back, like the super uh, after parties and you're mixing with all these rich, wealthy people who know who you are and you don't have any shorthand. And every time you do meet someone 
who isn't from this circle of power, they're like, oh my God, I want to know. And it's just, to, so they kind of, they, and if you're someone like a Jeffrey Epstein, who's a, a psychopath and will use that to an advantage of destroying people's reputations. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, it's weird. People get famous, that weird thing where it technically, if everyone was famous, it would be better in a way because no one would feel this <laughs> kind of thing, you know, and everyone thinks success is a finite resource, which kind of creates this kind of catty atmosphere where I think there's enough for everyone, really, as long as you work hard and you're a nice guy. I think it's become like cheaper, hasn't it? Like over the yeah. last 20 years, because if you think like in the 80s, yeah. 90s, like if you were a famous singer and there was only three radio stations that were like if you did an interview with them it would be a big thing and yeah. there was only like x number magazines and True. the the only shows to promote your new album or whatever would be top of the pops and like maybe saturday morning kids tv yeah and like the 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 squeeze on what talent got exposure was just so like a, a vice yeah. and also because people didn't have like Twitter accounts or whatever, like there wasn't this constant bombardment of what they think about every single subject at every fucking moment of every day. Like yeah. you had to wonder what they think. Like if you saw a poster of David Bowie, you'd be like, wow, yeah. I wonder what he thinks about this. I wonder when the next interview, oh, oh there's an interview. Oh, I'll just gobble it up. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's like, there's no mystique really to anyone. It's like, if you get into Ed Sheeran, there's like a thousand interviews out there. There's yeah. like a load of music videos. He's touring every year. It's just like complete oversaturation. Yeah, um, it's like ambient in a way. It's like someone someone described the music industry of because it used to be an album and you knew the album. And uh, now though, it's tracks. You listen to a song and there's so many Spotify 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 playlists where it's like uh release radar so you'll just mm -hmm. get like all the songs that got released that we think you'll like you know and i'll listen to that without ever seeing who's singing it you know what i mean yeah so it's yeah. just like noise it's just noise new noise and it just becomes this ambient thing which is constantly around but you don't really get you don't really fall unless you're an ed sheeran or a taylor swift or a harry styles you know it's like this um thing where it's like this unless you're at the top of the pyramid in a way yeah um, well, it's but like it's sort of t like the tin tinderfication of like music and fame isn't it it's like it like what effect does that have on people if when we used to live in tribes of like a hundred people mm. you basically had two or three young female suitors that you could choose from uh now you're living in a city where there's just this endless conveyor belt of potential suitors like yeah. how do you make a choice how do you go i'm i'm gonna choose this lady here but there might be someone else like in yeah. two weeks who's just moving to town you know what i mean yeah it's, and it's, it's, yeah. it's the same with like spotify it's like i do the same thing as you like i'll put on the monday uh playlist thing um it'll work its entire way through i very rarely go back and listen to a song twice it's like i just move on to the next like recommended or the next thing you know it's bizarre man but as well as that it's there's this thing about um obviously because having said that like if if it wasn't for the internet you know we wouldn't be having this conversation right now there'll be people that should be lauded for amazing work be that in the arts or what have you that for some reason they just haven't they can't they just don't have the nous to get on television mm. maybe they're not that presentable maybe they swear a lot and there's so many rules and so much so much censorship that the this kind this it's it's weird it's like comedy if you were to compare comedy to like music in that sense um it's hard for you to it's easy for you to listen to a song and not really care about the artist you can kind of get some oh the lyrics are interesting i wonder what happened to him in his life or her life for them to sing about that yeah it's very hard for you to watch a comedian or even just audibly listen to a joke without you kind of knowing about you instinctly know what this person is about yeah you know? yeah so comedy is a weird thing where it's like anyone can play the piano at different levels but you if you have hands and fingers or you don't even need those anymore because you know paraplegics they can do that stuff now but anyone can play a piano and you know immediately if he's good or bad whereas a joke as we were talking about earlier in the morning won't be funny saying that same joke again in the evening suddenly it's funny mm. but 
you know, it's a bizarre thing. Com- comics leak is another Jimmy Carr quote. But do you think? Do you think AI will? So, like, there's a lot of talk at the moment about like AI uh, manufacturing new music by dead artists, and they can do that in two ways. They can literally like feed songs and chord progressions and melodies to uh like a python application and it will mm-hmm. read it all and go like cool i see all of the patterns what about this and then generate something very very similar um or you can write a song yourself record yourself singing it and then you get a voice cloner to convert your vocals into like kurt cobain's or right. tom york's or whatever so right. ai is fundamentally changing and shifting the tectonic plates of what is possible with music yeah um, and it won't be that long until we get an entirely like ai produced song that will oh, sure. reach the top of the streaming charts or whatever do, it... do you think it, that's going to be possible at all with stand-up for the reasons that you've touched on well i've tried i've went on chat what's its name gpt gtp i can't GPT, remember yeah um and i've and i've as a lot because my uh, girlfriend uses it sometimes for odd bits here and there nothing crazy but like i just as a laugh is like I'm finding it hard to get the the rhythm of this joke out. What's the right order? So I would ask chat GPT and it was like, well, that would offend someone. So I'm not going to help you with that. That's not funny. So right. that was chat GPT's response to me. However, I have seen articles like Bill Bailey was saying that comics are going to have to be funnier now because uh, AI is writing jokes. At the end of the day, though, AI is just using what the what already exists, you know, so yeah. it's as much as you, it, it kind of, it kind of um, does an impression of an original idea, but it always kind of draws from stuff that exists. And human beings do that as well. Do not get me wrong. Inspiration that is literally what it is. Mm. But like an original thought that just a bolt from the blue, that kind of comes to you. I think that's uniquely human. And like, and there's something about the way you tell a joke. There's something about the expressions that you pull. Sometimes you don't even need to say a punchline yeah you just get the setup and look and people know what you're going to say and i think that's a uniquely human human beings are never not going to want to watch other human beings mm. really i don't think i think that's too much of the uh, monkey brain if that makes sense we really like being yeah. professed to i i feel like yeah so i i agree i i think whether it is a like i've always been a sucker for a broken-hearted girl with a acoustic guitar singing her heart out about what some arsehole just did to her or like dumped right. her or whatever that's like but like there's something emotionally drawing about that that i'm yeah. able to relate to that just resonates with me like it'll give, it'll give me a fucking wave of goosebumps yeah um i can't imagine going into a bar where there is a sort of android singing that sort of thing and getting anything close to that same yeah. reaction and in a similar way like we're standing I mean, are you are you imagining like a robot or it could be a hologram of yeah still still wouldn't do anything for me i don't think oh. um all righty but with stand-up i think it's like so it, let me take you back a few years so when when we are funny project used to be at dirty dicks yeah uh i did a joke about I can't remember what what it was. It was a, a really cheesy, trashy, like one or two liner sort of short, tight joke, right? Um, and and it killed. Uh, it was like I always wheeled it out. I opened with it, and uh, and I was really proud that I'd written a, like a jokey joke. Anyway, this guy came up to me afterwards, just like regular punter, and he goes like, "Oh, oh, that joke about the blah blah blah. Oh, that's great. I've, I'm going to text that what that one to me, mate." Now, and I was like, "Well, don't like, don't do that." Yeah. And uh, he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, mate. Oh, I've got it." Like, so he, I watched him text this joke off to his friend, and I was like, "Like, that's always going to happen. That's like if you if you write yeah. little." one or two line of joke like jimmy carr style jokes like just punchy punchline jokes yeah and i thought like i should just do stories i should do like there's something that's uniquely accessible and mm-hmm. timeless about people who can tell a good story that is oh, yeah. then peppered with jokes and observations and and so on and yeah so that is a thing i don't think that ai could pick up no, well, it depends. You could ask it, tell me a story in the style of Billy Connolly. But will it still be? Because the guy is the guy. You can't, ever, mm. you can't ever take the guy away from that. And it's the accent and it's, 
you know, well, you could I mean, get, but, like but, a text to text to audio like generator of hit like feed it Billy Connolly audio exactly. And, you know, like I've I've wondered how long it'll be before somebody uploads a model of Doug Stanhope. Oh yeah, or like or Billy Connolly, and and they write the whole special, convert it into their voice, and mm. then upload it to a torrent site and say lost special 1983 billy Connolly, like yeah I, that that is going to happen at some point but it, then again it's like this thing of like talking about ai and you were talking of in your other i was listening to your po- your most recent podcast before this one where you were talking about like is the utopia that that ai like that the the obviously jobs aren't going to be a thing in the future are we just gonna get given money to live by mm. the government and does that also mean, because entertaining people, it's a job and it's stressful and it's and it's and it comes with its ups and downs. And with that, would that would I mean, to be honest, if someone told me, hey, there's a missing Doug Stanhope special or missing Billy Connolly, but I'll, I'll listen 100 percent. Yeah. So is it going to be like, well, we've we've had the best artists. They've explored everything. Shall we just recreate their voice, their their um their their view on the world and their jokes and just plant it to the masses because that means we can just relax you know we don't have to but the burden of wanting to mm. be a thing was taken away from us completely and that to me sounds psych awful but if you're born into it you don't know any different i think there's something fundamental about human beings where they need to work and strive towards something though like there's been studies in this where oh, true. yeah 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 like struggle and work uh having that develops a a stronger sense of self you're more mentally healthy you're distracted even by like the problems that you thought you had you're now just entirely focused on this so you're not obsessing over stuff that you otherwise would be i think if we had a sort of utopia dystopia situation where people were no longer taxed to improve themselves I think for a lot of people, they'd be very happy to like kick back and just focus purely on fornicating and like, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, planting a few bulbs over here and, you know, tending to the garden. I, I think that would be like basically retirement, but for everyone. But if anything, you've just kind of described hunter gatherers, really. Yeah. You're in your yeah. own little, you plant some bulbs, you have your sex, you, you grow your babies, you grow your food, you eat your food, you just do your life. You just basically live hand to mouth, but in a in a, an environment which is completely it's like we're like greenhouse humans in a yeah. way, in a Petri dish. Um, but but then again, the, Elon Musk talking about the Neuralink. So we would all read each other's thoughts immediately in real time and completely understand each other and nothing yeah. will ever get lost in translation. That, I think, is more of a threat to art than because the whole point of art is. I'm trying to communicate this idea to you, be that a dance, a song, a piece of painting or a joke or what have you. And the idea that rather than thinking of a joke, just throw an image in someone's head and they go, ha ha ha. Yeah. But will we still need the crowd of people laughing? Well, I think it's, that's yeah, like, it's also like if I'm telling someone a joke, there's so much weight and power in how I pause and what yeah. they think I'm about to say, but then I go off on a completely different tangent, like that sort of shock factor generates laughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you rob two people of those elements when they're having a transactional communication event, uh, you comedy would die. It would just dissipate immediately. Yeah. So you'd It'd almost have to... to see how like humans a hundred years in the future, right? If they can have it, we'd be in like. Uh, they'll be, you know when you go to the museum and there's like sometimes you see like hunter gatherers or homo habilis mm. and they're standing there and they're like in a loincloth and they're holding a spear and they're just stock still there's going to be i think in the future museums of people holding guitars and be like oh these people had to create their own music <laughs> and then people would have to tra- travel miles yeah. to get just miles by the way we're not talking about the the trip across america we're just they would have to travel an hour to get to a location just yeah. to hear someone play a guitar for a little bit and then they have to go home and it would cost them money and to get the money they'd have to work yeah Ugh, it know? all sounds so primitive doesn't it when you say it like yeah that. um but then it's like well what would you you know if you did communicate an emotional response to somebody how like it doesn't make sense to me like you would need to 
to reference it to share the moment and allow the emotions to bubble up and then go down you know like if i say a really if i say if somebody says a really beautiful turn of phrase to me that's incredibly descriptive yeah uh that like moves me but i can't like if you if you took away the language and it was just an immediate feeling of i don't know like maybe it would make it would bring people closer together because they would truly understand each other yeah but but, does, but it's not funny it's not no <laughs> uh also people would have to deal with the outright dishonesty that just dominates modern society like yeah, murder, you, murder rates would explode like can you imagine how often people would kill each other if they knew like when i walk into the post office and i eyeball judge you sam i just yeah. like look you up and down i'm thinking who the fuck is this sack of shit like and you like you received that yeah straight you're like don't judge me and i'm like i'm sorry it's like it, it would be fisticuffs you might smack my head into the thing you know yeah, but then again would it also be that i completely get what you're saying because i can read your mind as well so we immediately forgive each other it would be but well maybe you would read my mind that i had thought that but you would also drink in my entire lived experience so you would understand why i eyeball judged people like you <laughs> and yeah, all of this exactly. is happening in like a split second yeah it's too much. I don't think we could. I think it'd be what my dream, and this is horrible, but like Elon Musk is is who he is and he's smug about everything. But I'd love it if he was like, I'm going to test this new Neuralink and I'm going to implant it. I've got the chip in my brain and I have my lovely family over here. I'm going to send them a message. And then suddenly all of their heads explode. Amazing. You know? Yeah. Because something like that could happen and then we don't have an Elon Musk. Oh, <laughs> and then it's just because he tried really hard to give the universe something well humanity something he thinks it wanted wouldn't it be weird if like i mean if that did happen he would his entire history of like amping up white supremacy groups on twitter <laughs> uh all of the crazy shit that he's done over the last couple of years um all of that would be whitewashed and he would the entire narrative would change to like oh my god what have we lost that guy was such <laughs> oh, yeah, a visionary yeah. like don't give it to him then. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Um, yeah, he'll test it out on some people and watch their heads explode or something. I hope so. <laughs> um, I mean, it, I think it would be a really like, like you, you know, at the end of Road Trip, that old movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's Road Trip, and like Tom Green is sort of talking about like how like what happened like after. Oh yes, yes, yes. Sorry. And he says like, like one of the guys starts a cult. And he goes up to the top of the hill with all the Kool-Aid and he drinks the Kool-Aid. And then every, like all of the cult members are just like, actually, we sort of changed our mind. And then he dies <laughs> of the Kool-Aid and the rest of them just come back down the hill again. Yeah. And, um, I would like it to be something like sort of satirical and horrible. Like everyone follows Elon. Everyone's a, a big Elon bro until yeah. he puts the thing in and his head explodes. And everyone's like, yeah, maybe we just <laughs> yeah. come right. down off this weird Elon tip. Yeah. But it's also like, and now you can get a Tesla. I was like, oh, brilliant, for X amount of money. And you're like, oh, I can't. So I'll just hope. I'll just hope that I can one day be like Elon. Yeah. You'll get a Tesla, man. Hang in there. I can't drive. Oh. What would I do with it? Well, then, yeah, don't, don't get a Tesla. Why are you so sad about <laughs> it? All the people that live in big cities that don't drive will, won't be under the curse or the guise of... Because he could just send it through the Tesla. You're standing there, and suddenly you're yeah. in. You're in the Neuralink. Could do. I read a thing about Tesla that said that they're no longer selling the self-drive models. Uh, they're only leasing them. And the idea is that you that they're forming like a sort of an almost like an Uber network where in the future, nobody will actually own any of these cars. It will right. just be like you call up a Tesla Uber app or whatever, you know, tap it. It turns up at your house. You climb into it. It drives you somewhere. You get out. It just goes off some like the whole thing is sort of like the I idea of car that. ownership it will become like an oyster card it's like you pay yeah. a monthly fee and you just get picked up and dropped off to be honest I, i'm still waiting for the futurama tubes that to me just seems like the best way of getting around a city and the most fun yeah standing a tube and just say king's cross yeah and but but i mean this is all sounding really futuristic and everything but tell me that a toboggan ride wouldn't be more fun Oh, dude. Or a zip line. Oh, yeah. my God. Or just like a big fireman pole that slides all around the city like it would be. Yeah, man. God, we're children. Let's do that.
<laughs> or like, why can't every building be a bouncy castle? Well, exactly. Or at least a foyer. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, come on, yes. You go for an interview in a big city bank or investment management. Take your house shoes off before you come on, please. Yeah. What's <laughs> nice. with all the like stuffiness? It. Like, where's the bouncy? Where's the ball pit, guys? Yeah, exactly. I must be applying for the wrong job. Here. Yeah. How many ball pits do you have? That's nice. <laughs> be, a, be a hell of a hell of a question to finish an interview off with, wouldn't it? Yeah, and uh, how many ball pits? Yeah. Only the one. Oh my gosh! And Not I suppose floor. you would uh, you'd like to know about the salary and the uh, annual bonus. No, just just ball pits. Have you got? It's <laughs> just the ball pits, guys. Yeah. That's all I want to know. I'll round right. off. Speaking of ridiculous questions, I'll round off now uh, with a couple of podcast quick fire questions with you, Sam. If that's okay. Alrighty. <coughs> Excuse me. So we were talking about Spotify earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. If you open up Spotify right now, what right. is playing on it? I can do that for you. Bear with me. Uh, I am genuinely listening to a lot of what's his name? What's his name? Uh, so there's a guy called um, there's a band called Missio. Okay, which I love. They're out of Austin. They're amazing. Um, what they genre? are very angsty and rocky Ooh. and um, quite an acquired taste. I really like some new hip hop as well. I'm going to throw out a name called Zarface. I listen to a lot of Zarface. Okay. And a guy called Iron Tom, and some ironically as well, Max Richter. So if you like your classical music, head up Max Richter as well. Yeah, but yeah I listen to everything, everything. Um, okay, what's the last thing you did that you really wish you didn't? Oh, what's the last thing I did that I really wish you didn't? Uh, sign up to Movember. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> I just don't look good with a moustache, but I'm doing it. I have a family member who died of um, testicular cancer. So I'm trying to raise money for it officially. Um, so if you do want to donate, come to my Movember page. I don't know how you'll do that, but I'm doing Movember. So donate to me, hoping to raise 250, 250 pounds. If you pop me uh, a link afterwards, then I'll, I'll pop it in the description. Of this. Oh, amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, please yeah. donate. I mean, as I say, as I'm speaking, this it is the 3rd of November and you Anyone on the live stream can see there's not much happening right now. I mean, it's, yeah, it's the first first green shoots there, I think. But, exactly, um... yeah. But so that's, I, I kind of regret that only because I hate having a moustache. I'm okay with a beard, but, uh, you know, you'd be a bit uncomfortable for a month just to help people who are going through some horrible things. Fair, fair. Right. Okay, that's, uh, that's the, like, probably the best answer to that question. There um, you go. Okay, uh, who would you like to be cast in a movie about your life as in playing me yeah rupert grint rupert grint okay and who have you been told that you look like ed sheeran <laughs> <laughs> which i find offensive and that's not because like i ed sheeran I feel like is, if you were a black guy and then i just told you that you look like just like some other black guy i feel like that would be problematic well, I feel, it just I'm getting... happens all the fucking time Similar I I shape. oh really yeah, and if I walked down the street holding something that looked a bit like a guitar, Sharon, yeah. it was just happening. Really? And it's like, he's an amazing guy. I just don't think I look like him. <laughs> no, I don't see it at all. I've, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like red hair, red hair, but that's it. Like that's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's it. And that's all you need. And that's going to school in Britain. That's, that's yeah. what happens. Okay, last question. Uh, yes. Who has a face so punchable Ooh. that if you punched it, you would come from both balls. Oh, my God. Double ball come with a punch. Oh, who's got the most punchable face? This changes. Oh, um, oh, fuck it. Piers Morgan. Oh, he's mine as well. Really? Yeah. It's just, but the thing is, there's a science. There's just a science to this answer. I feel like his face has no bone structure, so it wouldn't even hurt. No. It would be like punching into the bouncy castle in the foyer. It would exactly. Be, um. I mean, I mean, I've never met Piers Morgan. <laughs> so um, no. if, he, if we did, I mean, he has his politics and I don't agree with them. And he has his points of view, which I don't agree with. It's some parts, but sometimes he's kind of right. Sometimes he's kind of wrong. But he does genuinely look like a soft face to punch. Yeah. Like, it's just I, I always feel like it, he looks so squishy and like gammony and just pink and just, you know. And, and, and like I want it to do uh, just as he's about to go, uh, uh, excuse me. That's when it happens. <laughs> like the caught off guard punch. Like he's yeah, about to know. say something snarky and bang. Yeah. You know, when he walked off Good Morning Britain about the Meghan Markle stuff, he walked off. Yeah. And you saw him going in the background, walking off. Yeah. If someone was to come and just punch him in the background at that point. <laughs> yeah. 
perfection. Yeah. I mean, it's the Elon head exploding all over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, guys, right, that's time. Thank you so much to my guest tonight, uh, Sam Adamson. Do give him a follow. He's on Instagram. I've popped the uh, direct link to his Instagram in the description. And uh, obviously, I'll be putting the link to his Movember charity raising jobby uh, in the description uh, afterwards as well. Um, I'll be back next week on Tuesday or Wednesday for the solo show in which I will be trying to make sense of the senseless once more. And next Friday night, I'm doing a live show. It's me, mm. Super Tansky. Danny fucking Price, James fucking Benison, Marina <laughs> Perkis is going to be there. Dane Baptiste is going to be there. It's at Tower Gateway. It's at like um, Dockside Vaults down that sort of neck of the woods. So if you are free, if you're in or around London next Friday night, the 10th of November, there's still a few, there's like a handful of tickets still available. Uh, if you go to funk-27, that's my website, funk-27.co.uk forward slash shows uh you could still grab a ticket to that there or you could just go on my socials you'll see me posting about it over the next few days i'm sure um that's it from me keep it strictly hashtag booge strictly hashtag binfluencer and i'm out this motherfucker (laughs) 